Hey, it's Richie, and before we get to the show, got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings one more time. We've been talking about this for well over a month now, and unfortunately for our friends here in Arizona, not quite legal yet. But if you're listening to us outside of the state of Arizona, you can download the DraftKings app or go to DraftKings.com and enter the promo code THPN. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and now the payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This coming week, packed with action, of course, from basketball to golf, and of course, all your NHL action, too. It's pretty easy how it works. You just draft your lineup and collect points to win that cold, hard cash. Once again, now that you know how to play, Download the DraftKings app, sign up using promo code THPN. New users will indeed get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only for our friends outside of the state of Arizona. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. wonderful monday um you know i'm not even gonna really do an intro this time i I think we have a lot to do in this show and it's gonna be a lot of fun so we might as well just get into it how's it going richie how are you doing hello Corey. i it's um i'm uh, happy to be back with you again on this uh on this uh, sunday afternoon here it's almost 90 degrees here again in phoenix which is kind of wild um I feel like it's almost a little too early for that. I, I love me some spring weather. I love it to be like warm, but to go from to ramp up that quickly is kind of wild. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's uh, it was nice to after the first period that we saw against Minnesota on Saturday night. I was like, oh, here we go again. And then, nope, they decided to come back down from two goals down again and get the win. So when the Coyotes win like that and they do it in the fashion they did, getting scoring from a bunch of different guys, that makes me a much happier person. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's it's what we've been really talking about as of basically this entire season is that you have to, in these teams like this, be able to come out 50% and that first game definitely looked like they weren't going to win one of the two of these games. So it's really nice to be able to see that they were actually pull out that uh, that 50% of a tougher team series um, as opposed to what we were thinking it was going to be like, which was the series against the Colorado Avalanche, which was just absolutely atrocious. So um, it's nice to see them pull it out, especially against uh, the Minnesota Wild, who we have been predicting since the very beginning that they will be the biggest contender that we will be fighting against for that uh, fourth spot. So um, it's, it's really good to that they were able to get into that. And, uh, and during that first game, we actually had some really interesting uh, conversations going on in the back end. And uh, one of them was talking about the future of Tippett and Tippett talk it. Jesus, I can't go anywhere today. I am like all sorts of like old time everything. I was like calling the Minnesota Wild, the Colorado Avalanche. I'm calling Talk It, Tip It. I am not in 2021 right now. I swear to God. Um, But I just, I think I hopped into a time machine. I don't know how this happened. I was like one series behind in my head. I'm now like, how long has talking been here now? I'm like years behind in my head. Oh my gosh. This is, this is not the greatest Sunday for me. But as we were talking about uh, talk it and what his uh, future with the coyotes would be, um, we, we got into some pretty interesting uh, conversations about this. And um I guess my, now to say this properly, my fiance, Scuddy, over here, um, 
had some pretty interesting points. So I kind of wanted to bring him on as well. It's always nice to talk with someone who, um, you know, has gone through all the way through collegiate hockey and to get that type of side of things as well. So, you know, I thought we would have a little, not like a little debate. I mean, Richie and I don't really disagree that insanely much on this show. So we never really debate debate, but have a little debate about the future of Rick Tockett with the Arizona Coyotes. Well, it's uh, glad to be on. I didn't think I was going to get introduced there, but I think uh, <laughs> it's at okay. This point, at I least Corey, I I think Corey would have called me a different name at this point. But <laughs> I think the Coyotes' top players of uh, Keith Kachuk and Jeremy Roenick have been on fire <laughs> lately. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Garland's been looking good. Keller, the the boys are rolling a little bit here. Hopefully, they can build on this momentum and keep it up. Yeah, I was, uh, and we uh, we we were talking about the the Rick Ta- the future of Rick Tockett after the game on Friday because like the reason why I came up is it's this is the what they've done this now I feel like a dozen times this season where their first periods just are never good and they did the same thing on Saturday and and we got into this conversation about like where does that lie does that when you see something like that happen over and over again, a lot of times it's like that has to be the, that's a lot of times it could you could say that's on the coaching staff for not making adjustments, right? Because it's it's like a broken record at this point, and there's not no way the Coyotes have really been able to fix it, other than trying to dig themselves out of a hole. And so, in the case like this, when you're just not seeing the coaching staff adjust to this somehow in the first periods, a lot of games this year, it's frustrating. And on top of that, we already know that this is Rick Taka's last season of his contract. We already know that in most cases, when a new general manager comes into a situation, they want to hire their own coach. Right. And for whatever reason, you know, uh, they decided to stick with Rick Taka for this final season. I'd imagine it's because they didn't want to pay him because they would still have to pay him if they fired him with one year left on his contract. We already know this team's financial um, implications through the pandemic was already not the greatest. So um, it made the most financial sense to keep him. But as far as after this season, Corey and I have talked about this. Like if he makes the playoffs, there's an argument to be made that he should be kept on. But if they don't make the playoffs, then there's just no way he's coming back, especially with Bill Armstrong at the helm now. Yeah, no, I think it's tough in some regards because I feel like people are do. I think Tockett shares some blame, and I think you could date this with Chika too because obviously Tockett had to have some hand in the building of this team, but I don't know how to the extent of it. On paper, you could say, okay, well, this team looks good, but in reality, I don't. I think Chika built a very, as we said before, a very vanilla team. Like if you look at the past like Stanley Cup contenders of Tampa, Dallas, the Bruins, um, Capitals, Knights, what do they all have in common? They're fast, skilled teams, but they're bigger. They're a bigger team. The issue with the Coyotes is they play a defensive, strong game, but they have small guys, and they're not t- they're not skilled enough to be a small team, and they're not big enough to be a grinding defensive team so where does that problem lie well i'd probably say more on chica and talk it has something to do with it but now you go you fast forward to the games now once bill armstrong comes in he brings in some bigger guys the coyotes do look better the second the first half of last season coyotes were playoff contenders no problem they bring in taylor hall for some reason they lose their game and they're i think they tried to play a more skilled game than they were doing before hall so I think it's tough to put all this blame on Tockett. Like he's he's mixed up the lines many times. He's stayed with the hot hand. He has his goalies, you know, Kemper and Ronta, you know, some they keep switching off. I don't know what more I can think of Tockett could be doing. You know, you could fire Tockett, let's say hypothetically, midseason and bring in another coach. 
does he bring like what else does he bring that's going to change you know Takio was assistant coach for the penguins and won two stanley cups i'm pretty sure so it's like he has he coached crosby and malkin like he's been with the greats he knows how to coach i just don't know you know you bring up the point of uh that his contract's expiring i think bill armstrong's gonna have a tough decision to make with you know i could see him maybe re-signing Taka for another year or two and saying like hey i believe in you but you have a year or two to try to improve this team or i can see what you said just bringing a whole new head coach because he's a whole new gm and he wants his way i mean yeah because the first thing bill armstrong said and Corey and i have talked about this i feel like ad nauseum on our show he wants to change the culture of this team and the way this team plays from they have over the last several seasons and I feel like Rick Tockett agrees with that, right? I think Rick Tockett wants his team to be that type of team. So, unfortunately, they just don't have the roster to do it. Like you said, Scotty, like they just don't have the complementary pieces to have that top-end skill mixed with some more of your kind of hard-nosed, tough-to-play-against uh, players that you know you're going to get the best out of them on every shift because that's something that the Coyotes have struggled with this year is in that first game against against Minnesota, they had guys taking nights off, right? He, he called players out. He said there were some guys that just you know didn't show up, and this team can't have that happen. So I think that kind of goes back to, to Chaika and how he built the roster, like you said, in, in a way. Like Chaika did not build this roster to really mesh well for what Rick Talking wanted to do. And so when you're kind of missing that element of your top-end talent producing, like for the most part, the Kyrie's top-end talent this year has produced like we wanted them to. And that's, you know, your Connor Garland's, your Jacob Chikrin's, your Christian Dvorak's, your Clayton Keller's been on a really hot streak lately. But they're not getting enough out of some of these other guys like a Christian Fisher and your Lawson Krause. Lawson Krause, congratulations, finally got his first goal of the season, for goodness sakes. But, like, if you're not getting production from your bottom six players, then is that more on the talent of those players or is it on the coaching staff for not getting the best out of them? And, like, as far as Rick Tockett's concerned, we've seen him succeed, right? Last year in the first half of the season, this team was was good. They were a playoff team until Darcy Kemper got hurt and then things went to crap. So it's uh, it's one of those things that it's going to be a tough decision at the end of the year. And I, I, I truly believe it, it's going to come down to whether or not this team makes the playoffs or not, whether or not they can find their consistency again, right? Because, like, they can't keep doing what they're doing. they got to fix that first period. That needs to be their, their biggest thing that they need to fix right now. If they can fix that first period, then I think they can start contending against some of these bigger teams. Because, Corey, coming up here over the next couple of weeks, you got a stretch where you're playing Colorado – and Minnesota four more times on the road, or excuse me, five times, two against Colorado and three against Minnesota, and then they wind up against Anaheim on the road too. So this road trip coming up now, I feel like we say this every time, but it's like I feel like every game gets increasingly increasingly more important for this team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean – all of these games, the further we go into the season, are going to always get increasingly more important considering the fact that, you know, it's a shortened season and, and all of these games are really going to matter for where you're – it's, it's going to be get really tight in that uh, four, five, and six positions um, in the division. So that's definitely going to be impactful going forward. But one of the things that was interesting – that we had kind of talked about uh, and then we uh, had talked about with Kat as well is uh, Kat was saying that, you know, Chaika still built a good team on paper. I think this also kind of shows that you can't look at something on paper and think that it's going to succeed because of the fact that you don't know how that's going to translate onto the ice. There's a lot of players that I feel like on this team aren't playing to the best of their potential. And it, you have to wonder if it's because of who they're with and what type of situations they're put in. Like could Clayton Keller play better if he was on a line with people who were bigger, could 
protect him more, give him more space. And um, he was with a more skilled person where he could be more of a playmaker instead of the person who's supposed to bury. So like you have to wonder, and that's what you've seen in certain situations with certain trades, um, players playing better once they move to other teams. And it's the same way I feel like when you're scouting someone coming up, they might look good on in, in the AHL or in the O or wherever because they're playing on a team and on a line that fits them well in their style of play. You have to really wonder if the, a lot of these players were to, to say get traded somewhere, if they were, were, were would actually put up a lot better numbers because of the fact that they aren't put in positions right now to thrive. And I wonder, uh, actually I was talking to Kat about this the other night and we were talking about after the game on Friday, like how much of a regression we've seen from some of their defensemen this year. Speaking mostly of Jason Demers, who was a healthy scratch for quite a few games, of Nicholas Dromerson and of Alex Goligoski, who were all cornerstones and backbones of a really good defensive uh, type of of, uh, of system that Rick Talking wanted to use uh, in his tenure. But for whatever reason, I feel like those guys have taken a big step back this year, all three of them. Like, I feel like they're – all three of them combined are, like, ba- barely, you know, a, a bottom four defenseman at this point. And when you have half of your defense underperforming like they are – and showing their age, all three of them are showing their age, in my opinion. You're, it's it's tough for a team whose backbone is supposed to be, like Scotty mentioned a little bit ago, defense and goaltending, and half your defense isn't showing up on a nightly basis and consistently making bad plays in the defensive zone. Like, for example, you go back to that Friday game on that wraparound goal that Auntie Ranta gave up on the assist from Kaprizov. Right? Like, go watch that play. You go, where the fuck is Ilya Labushkin on that play? Right? Like, he's nowhere near camera shot there. You're basically asking Nick Schmaltz at the time to play a second defenseman there, and and the puck ends up in the back of the net because they're way out of position. So, to me, like, that is, again, I don't know how much Rick Tocker can do about that. Like, if you're, if his defensemen just aren't fucking doing their job on a consistent basis because they're, they're getting they're aging basically and they're past their prime all of them on expiring contracts like it's that's tough for a for a team to overcome whose identity is supposed to be defense and goaltending yeah no actually i think this brings up a good question i know everyone wanted oel to maybe be traded but I think most of those D you listed their contracts are expiring and yeah. coyotes kind of need to free up some cap so I think a lot of those, like, I'm glad we kind of kept OEL because most of these guys are aging out or their plays diminish. I'm assuming Ronta is going to be gone because he he's a UFA next year or at the end of the season as well. I think Bill Armstrong has a good chance to kind of retool this team because he's going to have to get a lot, you know, to give away a lot of guys because of their contracts. But I'll save uh, the Coyotes a lot of money then. I also think even Phil Kessel would be a good guy to try to trade out too. But I don't know. The, there's a, a lot Bill Armstrong's going to have to figure out. But at the end of this season, he's going to have a lot of guys to either let walk or gives him a chance to kind of retool this team the way he wants to. And then the coach situation will be interesting too with that re, kind of, I don't want to say rebuild, but kind of reform the team a little bit. Yeah, and I wonder, like, as nice as it would be for the Coyotes to send out some of those expiring contracts here at the trade deadline, it's going to be really tough to do it because, as we learned in the offseason, there's just not a lot of teams that are wanting to buy because of the cap situation this year. And so, as great as it would be to try and deal off an Alex Goligoski or a Drolmerson or a Jason Demers and their expiring contracts, it's going to be tough to do that, so you're kind of stuck with them at this point. And unfortunately, you're not going to get really anything for them. But like you mentioned, Scotty, let's uh, here's all of the UFAs coming up after this season. Bill Armstrong is going to have to basically rebuild himself an entire defense. But uh, Derek Broussard here on a one-year deal. 
Drake Kajula here on a one-year deal. Uh, Connor Garland's an RFA. John Hayden, RFA. Frederick Gautier, an RFA. On your defense, Goligoski, Jalmerson, Demers, Osterley, and Labushkin, all UFA. So the only contracted defenseman that Bill Armstrong has for next season, all of Regman Larson and Jacob Chikrin, and that's it. In, in which they're the only two you almost feel comfortable with after this season as well. I just feel like you don't feel a lot of comfort how this team by we, we talk all the time about the fact that there's a lack of consistency. There's also a lack of comfort in the fact that even if they weren't scoring, which is not anything new with the Coyotes, they have a lack of scoring ability for a while. Even as Scotty mentioned earlier, even when they got Taylor Hall, they showed up for like two games to try and show Taylor Hall that they could do it. And then they just kind of fell apart after that. So where everyone was able to rest their their hat on was be able to say, okay, well, the goaltending has been, you know, lights out and uh, defense has been pretty solid. It just really hasn't been that way this season. And so you can't um, kind of rest your laurels on that. And that's really kind of been one of the things that makes every single game you watch this team play something that you honestly don't enjoy because it's, it's either they are going coming from behind or you're waiting for them to make the the next biggest mistake. I mean, I'm even making sarcastic comments when uh, uh, we've, we've talked about pickleball on the show before. Uh, Scotty and I were playing pickleball yesterday, and I had this huge come-from-behind game where I lost at the very end, and I said to myself, don't call it a, a comeback. Uh, call myself the Coyotes, because digging themselves into a hole, trying to pull themselves out of it, has been very traditional them for for a consistent amount of time, that's actually the most consistency that we've gotten out of them is that they know how to dig themselves into terrible holes by making dumb mistakes. And that question of where was the defenseman on that play is basically 70% of the goals that have been scored as of recent is that where, where, who was supposed to be covering that person and why weren't they? And that is, um, really frustrating because that's not that's not a way you can survive through for through long spanned series against people like Colorado and Minnesota. So uh, it could be very frustrating coming up to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild that the Coyotes are where they are in the standings considering how often they found themselves having to dig out of holes early in games. If you take a look at the standings here, they're currently sixth in the West Division with a 521 points percentage. They are two points back of Minnesota. They are three points back of Colorado, six points back of St. Louis, and they're tied with the LA Kings right now. So they're still like hanging around, which is kind of wild. And like I said, you know, at some point, this team just has to find somewhere on their schedule a way to rack up points in succession really quickly. They just got to get hot at the right time because the standings are close enough right now where if you get hot at the right time and you beat up on these division opponents, because with every point game being a four-point game essentially this year, like if they can rack up eight or ten points in a row, like that's going to put them right back into position and really widen the gap between, say, them and the L.A. Kings who are overperforming this year with the positive goal differential already. So I, it's like at this point, like I don't even know what to expect from this team coming up on this, on this road trip here. I, I feel like they've at home, they they're underperforming at home. I feel like they've been better on the road this year. Like how good were they in the, in that, in those games against St. Louis on the road in St. Louis. Right. So maybe playing on the road in Colorado and Minnesota is just what the doctor ordered for this team. Because I feel like they, they need it desperately with how they played at home this year and, and how they played in their reverse retro jerseys too, right? Because uh, that was one of the things we wanted to talk about here is that they broke the reverse retro jinx because it was looking bad there for a little bit where they were – oh, they've been – they were 0-2 prior to the Saturday game. And then you go down 0-2 in the first period and they were like, oh, no, it's the reverse retros again. But, nope, they came back, so – 
it was much better than watching uh, Team Sprite out there. Wait, you didn't like the Minnesota Wild jerseys? Those are so dope. Yeah, I disagreed with Corey. I thought they looked cool too, but Corey did not like them. How they look like they should have been them? sponsored by Sprite. <laughs> That's their colors, though. Yeah, but in, not that like shade though. That was like a it was a bright green and it was a bright yellow. And if there's anything that proves my point, is uh, in the middle of the game. Scotty called them the stars. It's because the stars on their pants, all right? It threw me off. And I was like, see, you don't even think it's the right team. That's what they were modeled after, though, was the Minnesota North Stars. Those are the colors of the old North Stars team. Yeah, I liked liked their jerseys. Corey didn't. But I do agree with Richie, though. The Coyotes finally won with their reverse retros. I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, every time they wear these jerseys, they lose. But I don't know. I think a lot of UFAs on the Coyotes have something to prove or they're going to lose their job. I think the only one worth their contract right now is Garland. He's on the cheapest contract in history of contracts for his production. That poor man produces so much and gets paid so little compared to the people who just don't do shit. $775,000 this year. He's going to be in for a massive, massive raise this offseason. They they better pay him. I mean, he literally is the only one that's worth a shit half the time. I mean, <laughs> I've said multiple times, he is the only one that brings energy to games. And if there was anything that I could pull out of that second game against um, Minnesota, it's the fact that it it was maximum effort, which is like a, a phrase I, I love to use because of Deadpool. But like, it is it was genuinely maximum effort from people because you actually saw a lot of movement in front of the net. There was people actually providing a screen and being in the right places in the right time. So that way, if the puck came for a rebound, they were there and it was able to cause a lot of chaos. So as a goaltender, it's harder to track the puck. And that is one of the things that we haven't seen out of this team much at all because of the fact that they just, I feel like they lack that spark. They lack that effort in most games and they were able to actually provide that. And um, I still think that the highlighter yellow was probably distracting for the goaltender as well. I will shit on those jerseys till the end of the day. And I actually really liked the Dallas ones that were like really bright green. So you know that there's something wrong if I hate them. You need to call out whoever the Minnesota podcast is and just tell them their jersey sucks. I love the soda pod though. I love them to death. Although he gave me um, uh, a critique on one of my gifts as like a joke. And so now I'm going to attack him with that gif everywhere. So I, I am already going off of going after uh, after them. Team uh, uh, Hoppy, I'm going to be going after him a little bit. So maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I'll take Hoppy and, and Isha down on their jerseys. They won't like that very much. I feel like people are very protective of their jerseys a lot of times. And so if you attack them, people get angry. I think the Blues jerseys were worse than the Stars. The red ones? In my opinion. Yeah, those red ones. I feel like the Stars and the Coyotes had better than the Blues ones. Oh yeah, even the I, blues I, I, guys said they couldn't there. Yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah, like anytime the anytime the blues play in their red reverse retro jerseys, he always jokes that he turns the game on in black and white because he doesn't want to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't know I'd go that extreme, but <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Uh, except for the fact that he's at the games half the time so unless he decides to wear like glasses I'll turn everything black and white white glasses (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so Corey you and I don't disagree very often but we're very much in opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to the the Minnesota Wild jerseys I think we have to get used to them though because we're going to be seeing a lot of the Wild here coming up but um, anyway let's let's move on to some uh Something else from around the the NHL here. 
uh, I feel like we have to we have some congratulations in order, Corey. And I'm gonna let you take the lead on this because you are our our residential uh, Yandel Bar fan. So please take a few moments and congratulate your favorite Coyote on a big milestone that he is getting on Sunday night with the Florida Panthers. Oh, yes. Um, my my favorite always. Um, he, he hasn't been a Coyote for some time now, um, and, and it's very sad, but the wonderful Keith Yandel will be playing um, game 100, and that is um, – one thousand on Sunday. I'm gonna do or, or one thousand. What was wrong with me today? I was trying to figure out how to say the on Sunday thing that you do, so it's more proper because it's coming out on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I always say today, and then I'm always wrong. So I was trying to do that, and I did. Why did I get out of zero? You guys, I should not be doing a podcast today. There is something mentally wrong with me. Um, one thousand. I'm literally looking at it right here in front of me. Um. But yeah, he is set to play in career game number 1000 on Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And he will extend his Ironman streak to 890 consecutive games played in the process, which is damn impressive. And fuck you, Florida Panthers, for almost taking that away from him. Because that uh, that like insinuation that they were going to be not playing him for a game to ruin his streak was about to piss me the fuck off. That was annoying. So I congratulations. We all miss you. The videos are, have not been the same since he's been like dryly sarcastic and giving people shit in the videos. It's not the same. There is nothing actually that has been the same since the days of the Keith Yandel, Paul Bissonnette and Shane Doan, um, uh, Super Bowl prediction videos. Mm-hmm. Those were the days. So yeah, we, what was we the, congratulations. Do you remember the video he did where he was tasting the Canadian candy? Yes, that was the other really great one that he was in. He was very sarcastic throughout all of that too. And there, what was the? I haven't seen that video in so long, but there was a particular line in that video that you and I would quote to each other from time to time. And I can't remember what it was. I'm trying to think. I, the one one of them that I always do still till today is is from the um, from the uh, Super Bowl one, and it was that he said that he wouldn't wish yellow Gatorade on his worst enemy. I say that one still to today, but um, I don't remember what it was in that one. But that one was pretty funny. It was was that who was that was that. Connor Murphy that was in there with him? Yes. And um, they they tasted Coffee Crisp and the ketchup chips and something else. That was back in the days when Lindsay was the run um, doing their uh, content like that. So she was forcing them to eat those things and because uh, they, were, they were too American, uh-huh. obviously, trying Canadian stuff. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna have to watch that video now. After this, I'll have to sit down and watch that video and find it, see what it was that me and you used to always laugh about. It's, uh, it's an all time classic, so it's worth a watch, even like what, six years ago, I guess. Now, he played as, you didn't realize he played his last game in Arizona in 2015. Oh, that sounds. That, but that seems about right now that I'm like thinking about it. But that that's kind of crazy how time flies. That's another trade that didn't pay off for the Coyotes. There's so many trades and players that were supposed to pay off, and in the last like decade, none of them have paid off. Yeah, here's what here's that trade. I have it up here actually. March first, twenty fifteen, he was traded, Keith Yandel, to the New York Rangers by Arizona with Chris Summers and a fourth round pick. For John Moore, Anthony Duclair, a second-round draft pick, and uh, yeah, and there you go. So the Coyotes traded for Anthony Duclair in that trade, and that really didn't work out too well for him. 
Yeah, no, that's what actually, you're correct. Most trades that have happened really have benefited everyone else other than us. The Duclair trade, Domi trade, Strom-ish in a way. But he was another one that he's like the prime example I always think of. When I say that when they leave, they start doing better. Obviously, he was put on um, he was put on a line with one of his previous teammates, and so that helps you know that type of chemistry. But he was one of those that like he looked like complete garbage when he came here, and then at least at least through the beginning of him being traded, it he had basically like new legs underneath him. So it's very interesting to see how many players that play here really don't look their greatest. Like Taylor Hall, when he came here, he really did not look... In fairness, he's not helping Buffalo either. Yeah, but I mean, he still didn't look like traditional Taylor Hall when he came here. And so you have to wonder what it is about this environment and what kind of team that's been built that you can throw these players in and they just don't play the way they are supposed to. Maybe it's some curse we've got here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then like in the case of like Auntie Ranta comes into Arizona, gets hurt all the time. Right. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It just seems like it's just bad luck on a consistent basis. Speaking of Anthony Duclair, he is now a teammate of Keith Yandel with the Florida Panthers. And in, in case you didn't know, oh yes that uh, that's it came full circle oh the irony essentially in the end we traded yandel for nothing because we end up giving away duclair and (laughs) i mean there's still people that will fight me on twitter on like a consistent basis that are like genuine keith yandel haters that were like he was so awful when he was here but he's a very offensive defenseman i never expected him to have a very good plus minus. I'll just put it that way. Like I never really expected him to really play defense. I expected him to be a great offensive defenseman. And on a team like we have right now, which I mean, normally the defense is a lot better. It's it's instead of the hot garbage it's been recently, but um, having a a genuine offensive defenseman that really creates – offensive chances is something you need when you are really slow offensively. And that's one of the things that the coyotes definitely were kind of lacking because all of Eric Van Larsen supposed to be that way. Um, it just hasn't always been consistently from him for the past two ish years. So Keith Yandel played in 558 career games with the coyotes the most, of course, of any of the other teams he's played with in his 1,000 career NHL games. He had 311 points in those 558 career games with the Coyotes. And across those 558 games, you, you, were, you were just talking about his plus minus. This is kind of wild. That's a long time. That's nine years he spent with the Coyotes organization. He was a minus 34 in uh, – in his time with Arizona, which across nine years, like that's not bad considering how bad it was there for a couple seasons. Yeah. That's really not that terrible, but uh, I, I still believe that someone will be listening to this and saying he was hot garbage and would be like freaking out about it because that's all people like to remember is the, the goals that were blown and not the goals that were scored. I think people underestimate how profitable he was on uh, scoring opportunities. I think everyone like literally blanks that out of their brain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, congratulations, Keith, on uh, on your milestone. Uh, happy for you. Uh, I I still miss him. I think he's uh, sorely missed with the with the Coyotes and. Uh, I hope he uh, continues to play because, like, again, he's played in, what, 850-plus games consecutively or something like that, which is just insane to me. Uh, so congratulations, Keith 890. Yandel. Yeah, 890. That's insane. That's so many games in a row. And like you said, it's crazy that he was going to get – they were thinking about scratching him earlier this year, and he's playing pretty well, 16 points in 23 games for a really good Florida Panthers team this year. 
All right, so let's let's move on to some non-hockey stuff. Today's sporty question at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter. We are asking the Sporty Nation who their favorite Avenger is. And we've already gotten some responses. Let me read some of our responses from across the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Nate from the Anaheim Ducks show says either he says it's pretty close with these two. Spider-Man and Captain America. Uh, Nick Berlansky from the Pittsburgh show, Captain America. Dave from the Vegas show uh, has Iron Man. Uh, Our good buddy uh, Mikey Radigan uh, from uh, the uh, Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference uh, that he co-hosts with Kat, of course, says Spider-Man. We know what yours is, Corey, pretty easily. And... I think I know what my. I think you are. I I think everybody knows what mine is too because I've been I've talked about it quite a bit on the show. Mine, of course, is is Captain America, and it's like an it's not even close. Uh, I know you think he's boring. He's not okay. He's not boring whatsoever. So I know what yours is going to be. So, but you, I'll I'll go ahead and let you explain. Do you have a runner up? Do I have a runner-up? Oh gosh, Ooh. you're gonna put me on the spot with somebody with a second favorite Avenger. Uh, Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I have a runner-up. I I, I mean, well, what, what are we going with? Like original Avengers, or like are we going with like are, probably Spider-Man, right? But I was going with like all like I was gonna give you complete options. If they were if they were on site during Endgame, then you could have chosen any of them. Yeah, I I'd probably say say Spider Man. I think. Um, I feel it's it's funny. So I always feel like whoever you choose as your favorite Avenger actually says a lot about you as a person. I feel like, and and so um, <laughs> it, it was interesting to hear who who chose what. Um, Mine, very obviously, very clearly, is Iron Man, um, 150%. Um, if I was to choose a runner-up, though, it would it would actually it would actually be a female. It would either be Captain Marvel or uh, Black Widow. So those would probably be my 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 two runner-ups. But yeah, obviously, it's Iron Man, Scotty. Um. Yeah, those are interesting. Uh, I, I always like uh, <laughs> Thor as mine, just because I like uh, I like Greek mythology. I know he's not in Greek mythology, but he uh, is a god, so I always find that interesting dynamic compared to the other Avengers, who are I don't know. Captain America has like gamma rays inside him, and Iron Man is just a genius who can build stuff. And so I like Thor. If I had to say a backup, probably would say Black. Panther. I liked mm. his character a lot. Mm, yes. Good uh, pick. The actor, obviously, R.I.P. He played him very, very well. Um, but yeah, now me and my friends got in this debate about Spider-Man of which Spider-Man's the best. And the biggest debate was putting Tom Holland last on the list. And I said I thought Andrew Garfield was the best. And a lot of people were saying Toby was the best. But there was some agreeance that we thought Tom Holland might have been the worst. Now, what, what do you guys think? Oh, come We've on. We've argued this uh, on the you're podcast. Like, yeah, you're trying to fire us up here. No, I, I truly think Andrew Garfield was the best. I would put Tom Holland above okay, Toby Maguire. Okay, so McGuire. people want to torch me for my, um, for my Andrew Garfield. I loved Andrew Garfield. But I think Tom Holland is very close second. Like I could even have some people argue to me to have Tom Holland ab- above Andrew Garfield in some instances. But I still, I, I still put Andrew Garfield at the top. I was not going to watch a Spider-Man movie ever again because I hated Tobey Maguire so much in it and made me hate the Spider-Man character. So I literally was never going to watch one again. It, the reason why I think I hold on to Andrew Garfield is he made me like Spider-Man again. And I should preface this that it's not necessarily going off acting. Acting is part of the debate, but we're also talking about their storyline. And what we thought with Tom Holland 
was that with every other Spider-Man, they go through a big uh, character development because of their uncle dying. Obviously, they didn't need to kill the uncle off again, but we felt Tom Holland really hasn't had to grow up as fast as, I don't know, dealing with the character development as Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I, I, we, yeah, we've been over this on the show before where we ranked our Spider-Man. Now I, I made the same point on, um, I was on, I, I guessed it on, on, um, friend of the show, Jordan Ash Bolden. She has a Twitch channel. I was on her, her, her Twitch stream on, on Saturday night and we were talking about all the different Spider-Man and I made the point, I made it on this show before I'm going to make it again. All the people, all the guys that have been Spider-Man are all good in their own right. Okay, none of them were bad. Let's ju- I just want to make sure that's out there. Okay, I don't hate any of them. I I like them all as Spider Man in the universes that they created. But there's still a ranking in terms of my favorites. Tom Holland to me is the best all around Spider Man Peter Parker on screen that we've seen. I have a soft spot in my heart for Tobey Maguire because he was the first on screen Spider Man, and and then Andrew Garfield. The best actor of the bunch, the best pure actor of the bunch, um, I would put him, I put him third on the list. But I don't hate him at all. I think he got the whatever. I feel like everyone's hold up with the Andrew Garfield movies was the writing, not even him. So yeah. I feel like he got screwed. He absolutely did. That's a very good point. I, I if if Andrew Garfield was the Spider Man of the MCU, and eh, I think you'd do great, right? I don't know. I thought in the second Amazing Spider-Man, when he was the one that killed his girlfriend, that was some bull writing right there. Well, that was that was very true to the comics, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because Gwen Stacy was never supposed to be with Come on, Scotty. I know. He, he's supposed to be with Mary Jane. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I shouldn't have stirred this up. It was still, it was still a frustrating. Started. We're, we're going to have to bring Jordan back on the podcast. Which I, I we, which, it was still a frustrating movie to leave, though. I was not happy. Like, I didn't realize that's what happened in the comics. So I didn't have something to prepare myself. <laughs> like, and that's like one of the best things about the Tom Holland MCU version of the character is, is that like, he doesn't, like their version of M- of MJ of Mary Jane Zendaya is is perfect. Like you talk about rankings in terms of Mary Jane Watsons and and uh, like his love interests, I guess. Like Zendaya, far and away the best. Like it's not even close. And then Emma Stone second because she was really good. And then um um uh, w- w- well, what's I mean, her name? She's technically a different character though. Theoretically, yes. Te- yes, she played yeah. uh, Gwen Stacy. She was she was technically Gwen Stacy, who was supposed to die anyway. So that was like the whole thing. Yes, but yeah, she was. I thought she, I really liked her in those movies. And then uh, third on the list would be um, I can't remember her name. Why can't I remember her name? Who played Mary Jane in the, in the I first? I can't remember part? her name either. But she was part of the reason why I didn't like those movies. Actually, she was very. I don't wide. mind her as an actress. Yes, it just maybe it was her. Maybe I'm putting way too much um in into the basket there. But yeah, that was like it just annoyed that was a very cheesy, annoying movie to me. And it, it maybe it is because of her. Yeah, because she was like very like damsel in distress, which is why I've never really liked um Mary Jane Watson as a character, even in the comics. And she doesn't really do much. <laughs> like for lack of a better term, like she's not there. She's not like a Lois Lane type where Lois Lane is like a badass reporter. Oh, Kirsten, really Dunst. Her job. Kirsten Dunst. Thank you. I, I did not, did not know that off the top of my head for whatever reason. That's how forgettable she is in those movies. There's my hot take for the day. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this show. I feel like we've ran the gamut of things you wanted to talk about from the coyotes to the Marvel to the, Oh, there was one more thing. Um, actually, two more things. Number one, did you you guys got the picture I sent you of Natalie Portman on set in the new Thor movie? Yes, she looks yoked. She's wearing a muscle suit. There's no way she got that yoke. She's jacked to play Thor. Like she came 
ready. I'm very excited for that because you were talking about Thor Sky, so that's what made me think of that. She was and, so skinny before. Can you imagine the workout regimen they had her on? Oh yeah, it's but I feel like she's like that though. From what I understand, like she really gets into her roles, and so like if you're gonna be the next Thor, like you gotta get jacked for that, and so good for her. Someone in the comments com, uh, compared her to, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of what the character's name is, but in Terminator, um, oh. the mom in Terminator. Yeah. Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor yeah, thank you. Is, that, that's, what, um, that's what people were comparing it to, is the same type of like gang jacked situation. So that's the first thing I wanted to mention. The second thing I wanted to mention, because I feel like we we try and talk women's hockey on this show as much as possible. I'm very excited when I read this tweet earlier, but uh, it appears that we're going to get a return of the NWHL. For a while there, we didn't think it would happen, but according to Marissa and, and Jemmy on Twitter, she covers the NWHL. She said that an announcement for the NWHL semis and Isabel Cup final come this week. It will, the teams will be Boston, Minnesota, Toronto, and Connecticut. It's going to take place in Boston and um, the last weekend of March, allegedly. So I'm excited that we're going to get the NWHL back. I really enjoyed watching their bubble, and I'm glad they figured out a way to get in the rest of the season. And I'm excited to watch it. And if I'm not mistaken, I, originally the semifinals and finals were supposed to air on NBCSN nationally. And I'm assuming that's going to be the case again, but I'm glad they are coming back. I I feel like we should start a campaign with Kat's kid, Izzy, to try and convince her that the cup was named after her. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's spelled differently, but... I know. She'll she'll figure that out quicker than we would like her to. She's She's getting old enough now that, like, we can't hide certain things from her like we used to. But right. I, I still feel like that would be a really entertaining thing to do. And it would get her even more um, entertained by hockey altogether. We need to start getting her out of just the goalie realm because of the fact that Kat puts her in the goalie realm like all the time. She, you know, Kat's our goalie genius. But we need to get her um, attracted to all of the aspects of hockey, especially women's hockey, and, and not just the goaltenders in it. We... We need to give her an equal opportunity to choose any position in hockey she wants, not just goaltending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. All right. Uh, do we have? Do either of you have anything else to say before we say goodbye? Oh yes, Richie allows me to say some some final words before we part. Sometimes it's usually because I'm angry about something. Um, I don't actually have anything I'm angry about this time. So I think my only thing is. The Yotes have uh, a lot on their plate for their future with a lot of big decisions for uh, Armstrong. We'll see uh, the direction he takes the team. I'm interested. I agree, Scotty, and that's how we'll we'll end this episode. Remember, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show, on Instagram at Corey Richie Show. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow myself on Twitter at rflores91. And then you can also follow Scotty as well. Uh, Scotty retweeted some NASA information today. That was really good. Um, Scotty, what's your Twitter handle? I don't remember it. Oh, God. I don't even know my own. I am pretty sure it is at ScottyFar88. Yep, it's at ScottyFar88. NASA was giving me a little existential crisis early this morning, but it's all good. Still here. I would still here. I would say I am the like fiance of the year for remembering your Twitter handle, but I did not see any of those tweets this morning, so I take it back. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. That's gonna do it for this episode. We will talk to you again on Thursday. Good night and good hockey, everybody.